This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Coming up, we'll talk to Dan Jones from Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Dan always has some good insight into the state of our real estate market. That's coming up, but first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. Did your cell phone scare the hell out of you on Wednesday afternoon when that provincial emergency alert system did a test? It's effective. However, it's still going to be several years before the system will be able to give us an early warning in the case of an earthquake. But once it works... It could give us all some crucial seconds that could save some lives. Washington State launched its own early warning system on Tuesday, joining California and Oregon, who are also using similar technology. A network of sensors has been installed along the U.S. West Coast to detect primary waves or P waves generated by an earthquake. And this is all happening before the shaking starts. Emergency alert notifications like the ones we got on Wednesday afternoon would be sent out and a bunch of automated systems can also be triggered, ultimately saving some lives. Some of the examples would be moving elevators to the nearest floor, stopping trains, stopping planes from landing, also stopping traffic from going into tunnels or going onto bridges. Canada is working with the U.S. on the system, but getting the technology from the drawing board and into service here in Canada will cost an estimated 10 million bucks over the next three years. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh unveiled a plan on Thursday to cool down Canada's red-hot housing market, especially in Toronto and here in Vancouver, in an election campaign-style promise. Singh said the NDP would bring in a hefty foreign home buyers tax and massive investment in housing he said that would include pouring 14 billion into housing construction to help build a half million new units over the next 4 years the promise was the promise rather was made partly to outshine the liberals who promised just 2.4 billion in last month's federal budget here in metro vancouver we've had the foreign buyers tax since 2016 it's now at 20% it's cooled prices off for a while but obviously hasn't done much to slow down the stratospheric rise in prices we've seen in the last couple of years and yeah british columbia is stunningly beautiful blah 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 we all know that and i'm kidding of course it is beautiful And it's also very widely photographed. And a new ranking has now shown exactly how well photographed BC is. The website Must Do Canada looked at the top 10 most Instagrammed locations across the country. And it looks like four of them are right here in BC. The number one spot on the list is not in BC. The number one photographed location on Instagram is the Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. That's number one. But BC's top entry came in at number four. That was Whistler Blackcomb. The Capilano Suspension Bridge made it to the number seven spot. Granville Island is in the ninth spot. And Rogers Arena is at number 10. People like to take pictures of Rogers Arena. I guess they love statues of Pat Quinn. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And when we come back, some great insight into our crazy real estate market from Dan Jones. He's with Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. And we'll talk to him next.
It's Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and with me now uh, is a man. Well, let me put it this way. Think of all the real estate you've ever looked at in your life, you know, whenever you've bought something or whatever. Now, take that number and multiply it by, I'm guessing, a few hundred thousand, because uh, my next guest has dedicated his life to looking at and appraising real estate. Dan Jones is president of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers, and he's with me now. Hi, Dan. Hi, how are you doing, Martin? Very, very well. Now, uh, strange times, obviously, with COVID, but also with the real estate market in in uh, the lower mainland and pretty much right across the country has been uh, on fire and it's hard to predict. So um, I, my first question will be for you as a real estate appraiser and as the president of Campbell and Pound, um, how do you stay on top of a market that is moving so fast when you hear all these crazy stories of of bidding wars where where houses go for tens sometimes a hundred thousands of dollars more than the asking price how do you stay on top of the market well um i I don't want to say crisis management but it almost (laughs) it almost felt like that when we got into this thing um I, i mean i've been interviewed many times on uh i've been in the business for 47 years and i'm I was making predictions that this could be a quite the recession we were going to go into, and this is uh, one year ago uh, when we were all locked down, and who knew what was going to happen? Um, but there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of economic factors that went into this, and you know, the first one was there was a lot of money being printed by by the federal government, and a lot of credit being put out there. Um, so you you combine that with the lowest interest rates that we've ever seen in history. Um, the lowest inventory levels, Mr. and Mrs. John Doe, for the most part, follow the the health rules, and they decided to put everything on hold, and that included any of their plans uh, to move to to move up or to move down in the market. Right, and that caused um, caused a listing deficiency in the market, or 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 a product deficiency. At the same time, what was uh, unpredictable was it was the high buyer demand that came along with it, and you know, I, I also have this theory that there were a lot of baby boomers that were helping their uh, their adult children out with purchases uh, in terms of down payments and those types of things. They all got off the fence at the same time, um, and it didn't seem to be regionalized. It didn't matter if you were in Victoria and Courtney, Vancouver, Kelowna, wherever. Uh, it just took off like a cannon, and, um, and we got into this... Uh, crazy bidding war those that were were in there and um i'm happy to say i think that uh, we're we're on a bit of a downward trend not in terms of value yet but certainly in terms of the number of sales that are going to be reporting next month right um, that that are happening you know we can um, we can look at our own business here and and we can we can track the the volume that we we got and um our volumes had increased in January and February, 250%. And I know that sounds like a crazy number, but that's basically telling everybody that my volumes are two and a half times higher than they, they were. And um, wow. subsequently, so- you know, we were having very, a lot of difficulty meeting deadlines. Um, the banks were being overwhelmed, and so were we. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's and it's basically down to a supply and demand situation. The demand is is there, 
the demand is insane and the supply just was not there. But you say the supply, more houses are coming on the market, more, and that's sort of stabilizing things in your opinion? Well, this was the problem in January and February is, is there weren't enough properties coming onto the market. The word got out and slowly the uh, the inventory levels started to rise. Um, I just got the stats from the Greater Vancouver Real Estate Board and um, you know we had a, a 342% increase in home sales in the region in April. There was 4,908 sales uh, compared to, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, home sales, uh, compared to 1,109. Like, that's, that's crazy. It's 342% increase in the number of sales just in that one month. Um, having said that, there was a, a, a decrease in the number of homes sold from March. So the number of sales that occurred in April was down from March. And I know for a fact that by the time we get to the end of this month in May, we're going to see that number decrease again. And now, keep in mind that's the number of transactions, sales. It's not the value of your property Mm -hmm. at this point. But the bottom line, you still see uh, very strong home prices uh, across Canada, but especially in the lower mainland. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, another thing that appraisers and realtors always look at is what's going on with uh, not only volumes and um, supply and demand, but what's happening to the benchmark pricing. And, you know, the real estate board classifies benchmark pricing, you know, with a with a home index composite factor that takes in all of the sales. And they saw that that, uh, that home price index composite benchmark benchmark increased to 1,152 this year, this last month, and that was up 12% over one year ago. So it's about a 1% per, per month increase. Broken down further from that, the benchmark pricing for like single family is 1,755 now. That's about a 1.75 per month increase, uh, almost 21%, 20.9% it went up uh, in, the, in the last 12 months. And so we're, we're talking to Dan Jones. He's the president of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. And how do you appraise something when when uh, the market market uh, is so so confused? Not confused. I shouldn't say confused, but with bidding wars. Like, are are you caught off guard sometimes by when by a house that sells for fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars more than it was listed at? Um, it, it, it must be just insane. It can be, and it, and it is sometimes. Um, the, the one thing I want to point out, and, and it's something that I always say, we, we've got to put these things in context. And, and just, just the statement that it sold for X number of dollars over the list price, to me, doesn't tell the whole story. Right. Was the property underlisted? Was it listed at last year's assessment level? which was based on July of 2020, or was it, because we do have strategies when we get into these um, short product markets with high demand where we try to get, the, you know, the realtors are trying to get the most they can for their sellers, and that's what their job is, is to maximize uh, the returns. So they end up getting multiple offers because they may be listed at too low. So 
So, yeah, it sounds crazy that something could sell four or $500,000 more than the list price, but if the proper list price should have been 3 or 4% above the last sale, you might not find that it would it would sell that much more over the list price, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and that's where the expertise of, a, of an organization like Campbell and Pound uh, comes in, because you're not sort of dazzled by these by these price increases. No. You, you can look at the facts. That's right. And, and, I mean, what we do is we look at, the first thing we do is we look in the neighborhood. We see if, if we look at the subject property, has it sold before? If, if so, uh, what did it sell for and when did it sell? Um, if it hasn't sold for a long time, maybe it had been listed. We can look at the listing history of the property and figure out uh, how many days on the market it sat during what marketplace it, it sat. Um, we look at um, all that stuff and we put it together and we, we normal in a normal market, and we, don't get me wrong, we are not, have not been in a normal market. <laughs> in a normal market, we would have maybe looked at sales that were 180 days old or even 90 days old. A lot of the terms of reference for the banks and the credit unions for valuation ask us to not go farther than, than 90 days. Well, I think almost every appraiser you talk to will tell you that they were, they were looking at not using anything past 30 or 40 days. And the reason for that is because the farther back we go, the more inaccurate we're going to be, and we don't want to have to be dealing with that sort of time adjustment that, uh, that takes place. And that time adjustment sometimes is convoluted with emotion from buyers that are waiting in a lineup with four or five other offers and trying to make sure that they're the successful bidders. Right. Right. Yeah. We're, we're talking to Dan Jones, uh, president of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. You can find them online, campbell-pound.com. And uh, if you go to that website, you can see a little bit about the history of Campbell and Pound, which is really fascinating to me because Campbell and Pound started in 1939 in Vancouver as a real estate appraisal company and i i just uh, can't imagine what not only what the job was like in 1939 but what the real estate market in vancouver was like in 1939 well uh, back in the 40s and the 50s um anybody that uh, was a realtor my father was a realtor um he was a member of the real estate institute of bc as many of them were the uh, the multiple listing service was very very archaic. It was. It was. Uh, they had these large Heidelberg presses down at the real estate board, and they had to they had to print out all these detachable listings. And uh, there were couriers running around delivering the listings to to you know paper copies. Of course, they didn't have computers to all the uh, the licensed people across the region. And then it would be up to the the individual real estate brokerages to to separate those listings and, and put them into some sort of semblance of order by neighborhoods. And and um, everything was done, done manually, as as was the case with pretty much any industry or profession, you know, wow. back then. Yeah. And, and going back, I don't know if you know that much about the history, but going back, was there ever a time as, as kind of uh, unprecedented as now in the Vancouver real estate market? Well, you know, we've had real estate booms in this region uh, multiple times in my lifetime and probably multiple times before me. Um, I can remember in the uh, 
the early 70s, 1973, 72, 73, there was a real estate boom happening at that point in time. It was the same thing. There was a, a shortage of listings. Uh, builders were able to, but of course, back then, the, the purchasing power of builders to be able to buy lots uh, on bulk basis was was quite high. And you would go into subdivisions that were being developed, and the entire subdivision would be, be going up at once. Um, 1973, I can remember 1980, before we hit the uh, 22% interest rates in 1981, 82. Um, and then we had uh, 1988 was another push. Uh, 1994, um, there's, there's been many times when it's happened. Um, it's gone up, but it, you know, it always comes down, but it seems like every time it's come down, it's kind of settled at a number that is higher than where it started from. Right in the in the previous boom, so so markets go up and markets come down, and it's 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 all related to um, to the other thing we look at is is the ratios of listings to sales, and when we're looking at uh, nineteen say two thousand and eighteen two thousand and nineteen, we saw ratios that were I'm going to say between nine and eleven listings per sale. On the market, so that that's what we would call a uh, a buyer's market. Yeah, so you know they had lots of cho- choice, lots of opportunity, and they could take their time and and put their offers in, and and things happened in a at a reasonable rate, uh, many times with no multiple offers, um, and then things tightened up. What we just went through right now was um, basically a two to one, a two listing to one sale opportunity within the lower mainland and that is definitely a seller's market not a, not a buyer's market <laughs> yeah well well let's take a break and when we come back let's talk a little bit more about this market and what people can expect maybe what uh, what you expect post covid if we can ever get there and sure. also also some of the things uh, you can do to your home to make the uh, evaluation of your home increase that's when we continue with Dan Jones he's the president of Campbell and Pound real estate appraisers campbell-pound.com and we'll have more when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and we're talking about real estate. Who isn't talking about real estate these days? And uh, what it's worth in this crazy market. And when you want to know what something is worth, you call in the experts. And you call in Dan Jones, the president of Campbell & Pound, real estate appraisers, campbell-pound.com. And uh, Dan has been uh, giving us some insight into this market, especially with a little bit of historical context as well, uh, because Campbell & Pound has been around since 1939 in Vancouver. And Dan, this is kind of interesting. You have a kind of an opportunity for someone who who might want to get in on the real estate appraisal game. Well, yeah, thanks Martin. We've got a couple of opportunities actually. We are we're desperately looking for a qualified CRA designated appraiser uh, from the Appraisal Institute of Canada um, who has somewhere between 3 to 5 years experience or more. And um, uh, that is in our residential division, carrying on with uh, our former port division. Um, the second thing that we're looking for is a, you know, our commercial division is looking for a, a qualified designated AACI appraiser to handle all of our non-residential type of work. 
And uh, if you are interested in this and want to find out more, certainly uh, go to our website at uh, camel-town.com. You'll see my email address up there and send me an email and I can get back to you and uh, we can talk. Mm-hmm. Get in on uh, a company that's been around since 1939, which just blows my mind, especially when it comes to real estate. Because, uh, I mean, the history of real estate in Vancouver uh, is pretty interesting. And uh, a, an interesting chapter is being written as we speak. Uh, we talked in the last break or the last uh, segment about uh, how COVID affected the market. There was this huge pent up demand with very little supply, and that is slowly easing. But uh, how, how are you preparing for post-COVID days? I mean, what do you predict? Do you, do you think that it's going to happen suddenly, or are you just you know, fastening your seatbelts for another wild ride? Well, we, you know, I've, I've already noticed with, with our business, like our business right now is about 25% higher in, in volumes than they would have been in normal times. Last month, you can add another um, uh, 30% to that number. And um, the month before, about 60%. So we were about two and a half times volume in, in February and, and March. And then we were about 1.65% volume in April. And right now, like I say, we're, we're running at about 1.25. So that tells me the market's cooling. The number of sales is reducing, and that's based on the volume, the number of assignments that, are, that our company is actually putting out on the street, right? right. So uh, I, I do believe it's all tied in to these, uh, these listing ratios as well. We saw that listing ratio go from um, 2.1 back in, uh, in, in, in March to about 2.75 uh, right now. So it's already showing more listings coming onto the market, and and the transactional um, number is the number one per sale. The sales aren't aren't coming. There's less sales. There's less offers taking place, and less showings when you talk to the realtors. Mm-hmm. So you mix all that in a big big uh, pot, <laughs> and it just tells me we're getting back to to um, post COVID. Now. One other thing I wanted to mention about COVID is the, the COVID protocols are still in place with our firm and all most firms in the in uh, in Canada, and they are um, they're a non-touch, um, non-entry type of of uh, rule in some cases. We will go into the home if uh, with our PPE on if both parties are satisfied and. And happy with it. And what I mean by that is, it's a non-touch thing where the appraiser walks through, takes photographs with permission of the homeowner, and all the lights are left on, and the doors are open, and the closet doors are open. The appraiser can take the pictures. The second way that we've been doing it, and it's acceptable by the banks and the credit unions, is that the homeowner or the occupier of the home will take those photographs for us when we're on site, and then they will we'll hand the camera to them. They'll uh, they'll go through and do that, or they'll just send send those items to us by the end of the day, and we can carry on with the appraisal. We still go out and we visit the property physically. We'll visit the front and the rear and the street um, neighborhood, but we may not be going in, and that's because some people are still uncomfortable, and we're trying to do our best to to be on side with the, the health regulations in the province. 
Right. We're, we're talking to Dan Jones. He's the president of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Campbell-Pound.com is the website. And uh, you've just described uh, going into a property, taking photographs, appraising what it's worth. Uh, let's talk about some of the specific components of what makes a property worth what it is. What are some of the things that people uh, maybe don't know? When you say you go to look at a residential house, um, what are some of the things you look for that maybe other people, you know, lay people don't look for, don't see? Well, I think, I think what appraisers try to do is they try to actually look at the opposite. They try to put themselves in the purchaser's shoes. And they say to themselves, when they walk into that home, how does the floor plan flow? Like, do I have to walk through a bedroom to get to the rec room? Which isn't very functional. Mm-hmm. I think if you were a buyer, you would be put off by that. And those are the kinds of things that we try to measure. Um, we've all, we often talk about the swimming pool that doesn't get full value. There's cost, and it, cost doesn't necessarily equal value. It may cost you 100000 to put that swimming pool in. All the patios, the diving boards, the cabanas, the sand filters, the heating system. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we get about enough pool weather in BC to, to match about a third of the year. And that seems to be what we find. We find there's very little demand for the, that property with the pool, with the young, uh, young, young families that have young, young toddlers and whatnot just for safety reasons. Right. We also have the older baby boomers that are tired of paying uh, heating bills. Yeah. They don't, they've kind of been there and done that. And they, they, they're not in the market for that property. But there's a great segment in the middle that uh, still would experience it. In fact, I've heard that uh, swimming pools are in big demand during, during the pandemic uh, because people can stay around their, their homes and be entertained with something a little different. But... Um, from an uh, appraiser's point of view, we, we measure it by doing what's called paired sales analysis. We compare one property to another with very similar attributes and variations. And then we say, okay, well, with the pool, it's this much, and without the pool, it's that much. And, um, you know, we do that math, and it comes out to be that uh, it's what we call contributory value. So the swimming pool might only contribute twenty-five dollars or $30,000 in value to the house. Mm-hmm. But the homeowner could have, you know, receipts and invoices up to 100000 So that's not your best return. That's kind of your lowest return on, on a renovation. Right. Uh, probably your best, which I think I'm anticipating your next question. <laughs> that What's was my best? next question. What's the best? <laughs> so I'm just going to make it really simple and paint. So, you know, obviously, if you walk into a property and you, A, clean it up and you, B, paint it, paint the inside, you paint the outside, you spruce it up, you will probably get that cost of the painting and the cleanup back multiple times. That's probably your best return. The most common renovations we see are kitchens. It's time for a new kitchen, time for a new bathroom. Uh, New flooring is very common, you know, Mm -hmm. during this pandemic. People finishing their basements off. Maybe giving it a new new look, fresh look. Uh, even even the outdoor space, um, you know, with COVID going on, a lot of people are really spending money on their outdoor um, their outdoor areas for patio, and you know, hoping Mr. Weatherman helps us out from here to 
to the next winter (laughs) so we can spend some time out there. Yeah, so it almost seems like there's some intangibles to all this. It's sort of lifestyle and putting a putting a, a price on on lifestyle. But, well, that's right. And uh, we we have found, for example, like on condominiums, uh, a condominium may be selling for a thousand dollars a square foot. Um, and if we have a a property we're comparing to where there's say thirty square foot difference in in the floor areas or the living area, living floor area, we call it, we may not be using $1,000 a square foot. It might actually be as low as 300 or $400 a square foot to recognize. And that's what purchasers pay extra or less for that kind of difference in floor area. And we, and we do that by looking at paired sales. We look at multiple sales in an area in the same market Hopefully, looking at home, condos are the best because they're so homogeneous. They're all very similar. They've got similar floor plans, similar utility, everything. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we do it. So, who are the people? We're talking to Dan Jones. He's the president of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. And uh, I'm looking at your website. You appraise everything from residential homes to commercial real estate, right. um, all sorts of things. So, um, how much of your business is uh, our businesses, banks, as compared to just the you know a homeowner who wants to know what their house is worth? Mr. and Mrs. John Doe or, or people that come to us direct, we call those our private clients. And they are a private client because they're usually a one-off. Now, they can go to our website. We've got a button there, a quote button. Click on the quote button. Put down the information. We will uh, process it immediately the next day, sometimes the same day. Get back uh, an email or a phone call, and we'll tell you what the professional fees are going to be, how long it's going to take, and what the format is that will deliver the appraisal back to you uh, with. These, um, this is the mainstay of our business, and it's about 30%. Our, uh, we have developers and um, repeat clients, appraisal management companies to take up another probably 20%, and then we have about 50% of the remaining would be between litigation, um, lawyers, barristers, solicitors, that type of thing, and, uh, and also the, the financial institutions. Mm-hmm. being credit unions, as well as uh, the, the 19 monolines and the banks that look after uh, brokerage business. Right. Well, Dan, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Dan is Dan Jones is the president of Campbell & Pound, uh, real estate appraisers, campbell-pound.com. They've been doing it since 1939, and uh, it's never been more important in this market to know what a piece of property is worth, whether you're a single homeowner or a bank. And uh, thank you so much for talking to us, Dan. Well, thanks for having me, Martin. You're very, very welcome. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. And when we come back, we're going to ask Andrew. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. And now it's time for our Ask Andrew feature. Andrew Ferreira is the producer of uh, Vancouver Consumer. And he came running into the control room saying, uh, I want to talk about beer and donuts. And I said, who doesn't? But uh, you have some exciting news about beer and donuts. Beer and donuts. Yeah. Listen up. Beer and donuts. Okay. Uh, Beer and donuts. Anyway. So this is a cool little pop-up that uh, that I got wind of or uh, yesterday actually. Um, 
right happy friday beer and donuts um <laughs> but grand island brewery uh grand island brewing sorry is uh, opening up a bit of a pop-up stand and um, they're teaming up with granville island's own lee's donuts oh yeah for beer and donuts and lee's donuts is just absolutely delicious yeah. so what they're doing is and this is for their new summer brew a peach sour mm. Ooh. um th- you know, you can come on down to, and they're going to be having up this 10-day pop-up starting next Friday, May the 14th, uh, from noon to 845, uh, sorry, from noon to 8 at 45 Water Street um, in Vancouver. So you can also donate to the food bank through this. Um, so you can don't, you can uh, text a peach emoji, they can be used for things that aren't that, uh, to 3030. 333 to donate $5 to the Vancouver Food Bank. Nice. So while you're going down there and trying the new peach sour, having a donut, just chilling out, beer and donuts, it's a good combo. You can also uh, donate to the food bank. Uh, there's also They're also doing a can for a can donation. So one can food item for the food bank can be exchanged for one can of peach sour to take home. So, hey, you want some, uh, some incentive to donate to the food bank? Beer. Donuts. Beer and donuts. That's your thing. And like, I don't need to say much more than beer and donuts because yeah. like for me, that's enough. You, you say beer and donuts and I say I'm already on my way. Well, often you, you'll come in in the, you know, in the morning, the afternoon when I see you and I'll say, hey, Andrew, and you'll go beer and donuts. Beer and donuts. Uh, but yeah, so again, this is a, a pop-up, a 10-day only pop-up. So this isn't going to be permanent, unfortunately. Um, this will be from May the 14th to the 24th. That starts next Friday uh, from noon to 8 again at 45 Water Street in Vancouver. Um, and you can also, well, not also, not that you can, you have to book a time slot online ahead of time. Admission is free, mm-hmm. but you got to go online to book that time slot. Uh, and the website for that is just peach.gib.ca slash tickets, uh, peach.gib.ca slash tickets. So if you are intrigued by beer and donuts, uh, you should probably hurry up because with COVID restrictions, there's going to be limits on how many people can be there. You're going to have to book ahead. So if you want to get, you know, your time slot down, peach.gib.ca slash tickets for beer and donuts. I got to get a peach sour. That sounds good. Right? That, that, that sounds like such a good summer bevy. Oh, yeah. Right? And then, and God, and, you know, God forbid it gets up to the, you know, we start hitting 20 degrees. Goodness gracious. That's too hot for me. But for the rest of normal folks, you know, 20 degrees is perfect for, you know, having a peach sour or any sour, really, or any peach anything, really. You know, it just works both ways. Well, beer and donuts, my friend. Beer and donuts. Beer and donuts. Uh, this is Vancouver Consumer. That was Andrew Ferreira. I'm Martin Strong. Join us every Saturday, 2 to 4 on CKNW, and we'll see you next week. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.